You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. Today, we're going to be doing a little reflection on the state of the NBA. You know, we call this game Stock Exchange. Sometimes stock is on the rise. Sometimes stock is dropping. If you got GameStop or AMC, you know what that means and what that feels like. Um, I'm one of the few idiots that tried Nokia to see if it would work. And it work, so. <laughs> respect for announcing that I'm uh, yeah. just riding the Bitcoin wave. Haven't been getting into the stocks too much lately. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I barely threw threw anything in. I just wanted to test the water, see if it would work, and you know, good thing I didn't throw a bunch in because it did not work. But the show goes so, on. Certain, certain things, certain players and teams on the rise, on the on the dip, whatever you want to call it. Um, and speaking of the Rockets, since you brought them up, I wanted to talk about stock that is dipping. In the Rockets start stock. with them. Yeah, the Rocket stock is dipping. That's my first one. Um, they've lost six in a row. They, I mean, quite frankly, they've just been getting their ass beat. You know, they lost, I think, by double digits, I think by 10 to the Wizards of all teams last night. Um, you know, they got was a way bigger beat down than that most of the game. Yeah, they got beat by, I think, the Hornets. They've just been getting beat. Whoever they play has beaten them. And this was supposed to be a part of the stretch for them that was going to guarantee some wins, assuming that they had their their team. I think what you're seeing is how important Christian Wood is to the Rockets um, and that his numbers and his production are not just empty and definitely not a fluke. So hopefully the Rockets can can turn things around when Christian Wood gets back. I think he's going to get back too late to really you know get them into the playoffs. Uh, but Zach, what about you? So the Rockets are still only three and a half games out. I mean, there's still over half the season left. Christian Wood, I mean, yeah, it's still going to be out quite a bit longer. I mean, what are we looking at? Another February 19th. No, no, maybe one more week, I bet. Uh, He should be back pretty soon, actually. So then you look at, I mean, Victor Oladipo is in and out of the lineup. Just random guys here and there. They've just had a bad case of the injury bug and missing. I don't know if there's been some COVID-related stuff as well, but, um, yeah, I normally don't necessarily follow um, any, any minor stuff, just when the big ones are out, and then I turn on the game. Uh, so, really, the, the Rockets, I mean, just, yeah, we're really finding out how important Christian Wood is. It's not like they're playing – bad individually okay they're just not playing together as a team and i mean when you lose your best player and a guy that was arguably an all-star this year um and probably gonna win most improved player of the year that's a big deal uh i think they can still get into the playoffs if christian wood comes back the next week uh full form i mean i'm not writing the rockets off yet 
one six game skid, one seven game skid. I mean, yeah, it's detrimental, but might not be earth shattering. So my first dip right now uh, would be the Boston Celtics. Okay. They're a team that a lot of people before the year thought, I mean, Gordon Hayward leaving wasn't going to be that big of a deal. Uh, And I was in the minority that said, yeah, they're going to get worse, but yet they're still talented enough to make it as far as like the Eastern conference finals. Um, that right now is in jeopardy for me. I, I'm starting to lose hope in that, even with Jalen Brown taking a huge leap. Um, I don't know what their excuse is, to be honest, other than just a really bad bench. And that's what I'm going to give it to. Uh, there's a lot of mumblings, and this is the most fire I've heard coming out of people's mouths with Brad Stevens being on the hot seat and just his job being in question. No, one bad year. If this year turned out bad, I mean, we had a long ways to go. First of all, uh, they're just having a bad skid right now. And I expect them to turn it around. They're still fifth in the East, uh, just three and seven in their last 10 right now. Barely, barely uh, have a positive differential. They're at 0.8 right now. And um, I don't know. I just, I think they got a move to make, but they always got a move to make. They're always, they always have these guys that, I mean, put them right there in contention. They're always one player away, it seems. Kemba Walker, I mean, he's not as bad as people think, but, yeah, he's declining pretty quickly. What do you think of Boston? I, I think the lack of their bench is step one, right? I mean, they really have struggled to have a bench. Um, Marcus Smart has always been like a, a spark plug in a lot of ways, energetically, uh, defensively, just in a, in a variety of ways for them. And he's been starting, unless I'm wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he's been starting uh, this year. And so I think that kind of takes some punch away. Um, and Kemba Walker's just not, I think he's declining. I don't think he's like rapidly declining, like, oh my God, Kemba Walker stinks. But I just don't think he fits the, the identity of a Brad Stevens team defensively. Um, and I think that he's given how much. 36% on the year from the field. Kemba? <laughs> Yeah, lowest of lowest of his career. I mean, he's only played in twelve games, averaging only twenty seven minutes a game. Is this? I hate saying this because Kemba Walker is such a good dude, but is this karma for screwing it over? They go from it to Kyrie Irving um, screwing things up and leaving, just spurning them for basically nothing, and then they go out and take Charlotte's scraps essentially i don't like calling kemba walker scraps but i mean no it's, it's just, <laughs> i it's love just kemba walker of, it's just a matter of look he's he's undersized right he's six feet tall um he's coming back from injury uh the reason i bring up undersized is because he's coming back from injury and he relied so much on quickness and you know when you're when you're what he's 30 now i think when you're 30 yep. undersized in the nba and you're a scoring guard that relies on quickness um and you're coming back from an injury, like, you know, you're going to lose a step. And, and if your shot's not falling the way that you're used to, or if you're not getting the calls that you're used to getting at the basket and just things aren't, you know, happening the way that you're used to, you kind of see what, what's happening with him right now. 16 points a game on 15 shots a game, um, you know, 36% overall from the field, like you said, also 36% from three, ironically enough. Um, so, yeah. The 36, 36, 36 club. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's only playing 28 minutes a game, which is the lowest of his career since he was a rookie by like half a minute. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, uh, 
it's just not what Boston needs from him is not being received right now. And he's only played 12 games. So tons of issues, especially with the weird COVID season and practice and rhythm and all that. So all that stuff kind of mixes into one. If this was a normal season and he was rehabbing like normally, I feel like it, we wouldn't see what we're seeing, but uh, they don't have a bench, you know? And, and, and I don't think Tristan Thompson has kind of solved the, the issues that they were looking for at the five. So right. I think all of that has kind of resulted in them being the team they've been, but the bright spot is Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has had a hell of a year, um, took a huge leap forward. I remember there were rumors about, oh, maybe Boston would do a trade centered around Jalen Brown for James Harden. And obviously that didn't happen, but it would have been incredible given his production. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I think on Boston. The second team that I had dropping um, is the Hawks, man. The Hawks have lost four in a row. Stonks. Uh, they've lost seven of eight, I think. Stonks. And they're 11 and 16. I don't know where they are in the East. I mean, they're in the East, so they're still in the playoff hunt, even at 11 and 16. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, they they came out hot. They were looking really good, and then all of a sudden, you're kind of hearing rumblings about John Collins not being happy. Um, and obviously he's he's got a contract year. Not even John Collins necessarily individually, but him and Trey Young clashing, and it feels like things kind of change from that point. Um, and now Trey Young is getting vilified for drawing fouls the way he's been drawing fouls by leaning into guys when he shoots it. It's like it's all it's really almost like the James Harden experience, except it's Trey young. It's kind of crazy to, to see how the, the baton has been passed, but, uh, you but yeah, I mean, just in the fall, fall size thing. Right. Right. And you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mainly that, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, man, I don't know. Atlanta slumping. Uh, like I said, they started hot and they've lost seven of eight. So what are your thoughts on the Hawks? Stunks. Yeah, I also had the Hawks as a down, um, but I'll bring up another one. But the Hawks, for instance, I think they're finally realizing Lloyd Pierce probably isn't the coach going forward. I mean, I, we were me and you were both a lot higher on these guys uh, than most before the year. I still believe they have the roster. I mean, they got guys that are playing good enough. I don't care about the injuries. I just thought that strength and numbers and depth, they were going to be okay. Uh, but they... Trey Young just, I mean, plays an incredibly magnetic uh, game of basketball. And if he doesn't have somebody like that's getting, when you have that much talent, you got to figure out a way to get these guys involved earlier. You know, Trey Young can't have um, 30 plus percentage usage um, until he's like shooting amazing numbers. And he's just not doing that right now. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I think these guys are becoming less interested in playing with the dude, and that it's unfortunate. And that I mean, that just stems back to the coach because yes, Trey Young has to be the center point. He's got to play the way he does in order to be as important as Trey Young can be. But at the same time, you got to figure out how to get these other guys involved, and that's just super tough, um, especially when this dude has only played one way. Uh, there's a lot of young guys that still need to be developed. And that was my big question uh, before the year. Is there going to be enough minutes to go around? So I think either a big trade uh, to kind of bolster the talent on this roster. And um, like, I'd love Bradley Beal there. I'm still believing in Bradley Beal on the Hawks, but I don't know if Bradley Beal would like that. Um, I just think they have the pieces as part as a part of it for me. Uh but it, it's tough. I, I really want them to succeed. John Collins being a, such an important player for them. 
uh, rumors out there that's probably really similar to um, a team like, I don't know, the Rockets early in the year or um, even even the Nets with all those young guys having to go through all that shit. But your boy Clint Capella, that dude's gotten stronger. That guy has leveled up this year. And I, and I mean it from being able to move laterally. Like, I think he's much quicker this year. Have you been watching him at all? Or? Um, no, I haven't really been watching the Hawks closely uh, in terms of, like, Clint Capella's development. Um, but I know he's averaging a career high in rebounds. And I know he had that stretch, man, where he was going crazy with, like, the 2020 games. So I'm mm-hmm. happy to see Capella hopefully back to Capella. Oh, and he's averaging a career high 2.2 blocks per game. Hell yeah. Um, even though he's only playing 29 minutes a game. That's awesome, man. Good for Clint Capella. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a solid center. You know what you're going to get with Capella, and it's nice to see that he's delivering that. I miss Clint Capella in Houston. I think he'd be a lot of fun next to Christian Wood. Yeah, so un- unfortunately, our guy, um, Cleveland Cavaliers and Colin Sexton, Stunks. they're they're dwindling right now. I was starting to believe, like, I never wanted to be all in on the Cavs, like thinking they could be a competitive playoff team. I just thought it was early season success, but I was starting to buy it more than I probably should have. And they're starting to falter off. What have they lost six or eight straight now? Uh, yeah. Eight in a row and one and nine, in their last 10, like it's becoming panic mode. Um, I don't think Andre Drummond's had a ton to deal with it, to be honest. Yeah. He was important for him, but at the same time, Jared Allen, I think, is doing what he did, you know, and is just as valuable as Andre Drummond. So I think it's just becoming a talent thing. Um, Isaac Okoro definitely is regressing back to the rookie mean, and Darius Garland missed a bunch of games there. So Stunks. Colin Sexton, I mean, he, he's learning what it's like to have to lead a team with going through dysfunction early in his career. Yeah, I think Larry Nance was out too. Um, you know, it's just never a good thing when your team or or when an organization is like the center of drama, you know, with like the drum and stuff, whether or not you think that's dramatic to like a higher or lesser extent, um, it's just never a good look, you know, um, we'll see what they get in return for drumming or if they reach a buyout or whatever may happen. But, uh, you know, it was kind of surprising to see them performing at the level that they were performing at when Sexlin was was rocking and they were winning games and, you know, competing with the mm-hmm. nets and all, all that kind of stuff. So similar with the Hawks too, they had a strong start and then, you know, things kind of regressed to the mean. And I think that's where they're at. They still have a ton of talent. Um, Jared Allen should, it would make much more sense to start Jared Allen at center than paying Andre Drummond that much money to start at center in the year 2021. Um, oh, I like that, that decision. I do. Um, it's the right decision basketball wise, you know, the last Stunks. squad that I had tanking or <laughs> tanking stock dipping is uh, Miami, Stunks. the Miami heat. Um, they are five and nine in their last 14 games. I think the reason I have them so low is because they had such high expectations coming into the season. You know, um, people had Miami as a top three seed. I think both of us did. Uh, and you know, right now they're not in the playoffs if the season ends and they had a lot of stuff happen with COVID, you know, a lot of players miss games and all that, but Jimmy Butler's been back lately. Um, I think everyone except maybe Dragic, if I am correct, I might even yep. be wrong. About he hasn't that. played much. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Harrow, I think missed a game, but you know, he balled out the other night. 
Um, and they still lost, I think. So I don't know, man. Miami just kind of it. The more that the games go on, it's starting to look like Miami might have been a, a big beneficiary of the bubble environment, which would be fascinating to even like kind of discuss or dive deeper into to kind of see why that happened. You know, I feel like their mentality and the, and the, the underdog mentality they had um, kind of fed into their desire to be there. And obviously X's and O's and matchups in terms of substantive basketball in, in and of itself. But yeah, man, Miami just doesn't look like the team that they were. And it doesn't look like they will become that team. They might play well, but like they were playing at a very high level in the bubble. And I think that they have a long way to go right. to, to consistently play at that level. So, um, it comes down to just their offense for me. Um, like their defense hasn't dipped a ton, but they're just, I mean, they're not getting up near the shot. They're last in the league and just shot attempts, period. Uh, the pace, I mean, still is about the same. I don't know. I think it's Jimmy Butler being out is a big part of it, but even when he's been back, they haven't been winning it a ton. Uh, put up a 30, 10 and 10 triple double and they still can't get the victory. It, it's quite the science experiment. I mean, as you kind of were alluding to, it's like, do they not, I mean, have the talent that we thought because I mean, Bam's putting up even better numbers from last year. Bam's leveling up once again. Uh, nobody's really dipping that much. And I just don't know, like, they, how do you go from playing that cohesive as a team? to just kind of just disappearing like this. And anytime I, they come out and play a good quarter or two, and then they just fall apart. I, I, they're one team I really can't figure out that much, and it's hard to say because outside of games played, yes, that's a huge part of it. But Jimmy Butler, I mean, still has played in 15 games, and he doesn't have a winning record. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. Stonks. I don't know. That's what I'm saying, man. It just kind of seems like the team that, I mean, I, I think that their record reflects worse than they actually are because of the COVID stuff, but I, I still think they're like, they're playing 500 basketball, you know? Um, so again, maybe it's the bubble, but Stunks. we're going up. This is your guy right here. Um, Chris Paul, man, Stunks. he started out the season incredibly slow. I mean, he was averaging 14. I don't know. First 10, 15 games. Now, the last, what is it? Um, the last nine games, he's averaging 23, 4, and 7, almost two steals, 50, 40, 97. <laughs> 53% wow. from the field, 42 from three, 97 from the free throw line. Phoenix, I mean, wow. The Suns, I mean, I believed before the year they could be as good as they really wanted. Uh, but the fact that Devin Booker's playing about 80% of what I think he can play is blowing my mind that they're as good as they are. It really is. Like DeAndre Ayton, too. Those two guys have so much more to give the game. It's just these guys are playing like the Heat did last year. These guys are playing like Chris Paul is playing that Jimmy Butler role. And then, I don't know. You just mix in everybody else. Like Devin Booker's been bam basically about to that level. Like Devin Booker hasn't played to the Devin Booker of last year, not out of this world. And it's probably been relaxing for him, to be honest. <laughs> nah. yeah, it has to be. I mean, Chris Paul's balling, man. Chris Paul's lead, he leads the NBA in free throw percentage. Uh, he's shooting 97% from the free throw line. He's only shooting 
three attempts a game. So Stonks. there's that caveat, but that's still pretty incredible. Um, he looks a lot like he did in that first year in Houston. He just looks good. 17 a game, eight assists a game, really close mm-hmm. to what, what he was doing that first year in Houston. And that's despite his usage this year being down um, from that season, <clears throat> excuse me, from that season by about a percent and a half, a couple percent almost. So very impressive, man. I mean, it's Chris Paul. You know, anyone who wrote Chris Paul off, even after, as a Rockets fan, even after he had that poor second season, I knew, like, I, one of the reasons I did not want him traded when all the drama started in the offseason was because I just knew that Chris Paul, with the mentality that we all know he has and how personally he takes things and how competitive he is, he was not about to go out like that. Chris Paul is not about to go out sad like that. So you had to know Chris Paul was about to come back and bounce back. And then he was traded, which obviously gave him a ton of extra motivation. And two years later, I mean, he's playing elite freaking basketball because he's Chris Paul. I'm not fucking leaving. So, yeah, shout out to Chris Paul, man. I mean, Phoenix looks good. They really look like a team that's poised to win a playoff series for the first time in a long time. Uh, if you want to take a Just look, one. Up, Just they one. Could go, they could go further, man. I mean, it depends. Depends on how Aiden handles the playoffs, and it de- depends on if um, Devin Booker is going to, you know. It depends on Devin Booker in the playoffs. We, we don't even know what Devin Booker looks like in the playoffs. So he's got he's going to have to get back to the level that we know he can play at, and he's going to have to prove he can do it in the playoffs. So a lot to be seen, and, and he's going to have to do it against teams that have been in the playoffs, like probably the Utah Jazz, the Clippers, the Lakers, um, and against players of a much higher caliber. So it's going to be fun. I'm really excited to see, to see what they do. So you said Chris Paul. My first stock rising is uh, one of his point, point guard, fellow point guards. Stonks. Uh, young Stephen Curry. My goodness, man. In his last eight young. games, in his last eight games, he's averaging 36 points. Stonks. Um, he's shooting 58% from the field overall. He's shooting just a hair under 50% from three. And he's shooting just a hair under 96% from the free throw line. He's going crazy. Uh, you know, and that's the last eight games. So, 36, 5, and 5 on incredible percentages. Um, The Warriors have not necessarily won all those games. I think they've only gone 4 and 4 in that time. So I'm not picking the Warriors as my rising stock. But, man, there was a point coming out the gate. I was clowning Steph Curry mainly because of the Harden jokes. But um, And actually, my criticisms of Steph Curry still exist because when he is going bonkers like this, the Warriors are still only two games above 500. He could still prove me wrong by the end of the season, but winning basketball games and being a top four seed in the NBA while producing like this is very difficult without the help of people like Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. But uh, all that aside, man, I mean, his box scores are so fun. 38 points, 11 boards, eight assists, he's on fire! seven of 14 from three. Oh, he's shooting 49.5% from three, by the way, on 13 attempts per game from three, which is insane. Um, um, no, his, his stock's definitely up. Stunks. What's number two? Yeah. So my second, uh, is my boy the redemption story of them all? I'm so excited for this one. Stunks. My boy Pascal Siakam rising from the ashes. People were just ripping me up uh, before. I mean, about 10, 15 games into the season. Oh, Pascal was just a one-hit wonder last year. He he stopped at his peak last year. I'm like, no, fuck y'all. He's he's here. He's he's gonna be all right. He's just in Tampa Bay. He's trying to figure out how to get on the TB12 diet, you know? Uh, and they did. They did. They're 5-1, and one, uh, now 5-2 and two in their last seven. But 
Uh, Pascal, here you go. In his last few games, he's averaging 25, 50% from the field, 40, 43% from three, and 86 from the line. His numbers are going to finish even better than last year. I, I, I believe it. Uh, this guy is a motor. He's, he's a worker, and he's just becoming smarter and smarter. The better Fred Van Vliet and OG get, I mean, are the better the better Pascal would get. I truly believe that. And um, I'm going to keep riding his, his wave until I'm not. And I just believe in this dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a good player. I, I thought it was weird that he dipped the way that he did to start the season. I didn't see that coming. I thought he was going to continue to get better. But all of um, Toronto did, let's be honest. Well, yeah, I know all of Toronto did. I mean, I disagree with you that he's going to score more than he did last season. I don't think that's the case. I mean, it's really hard to increase your points per game average by like three points after you're, you know, more than a quarter of the way into the season. Um, so I don't think True. he's going to do that. True. He might increase his three-point percentage, which is looking looking very low at the moment. Um, I think it's like 30 or 31%. But, but yeah, I mean, he is having a good stretch. His last, uh, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, seven games maybe, he's back seven, to normal. Games yeah, you know, 23 points a game. Um, forty-six percent. Rebounds are up. Hey, rebounds and assists are up from last year. Like to play how he does in the position he does, and average four and a half assists. It's really good. He's averaging career high in steals too. Like the dude does so much more than score the basketball, and people just get hung up on his percentages and scoring. And well, the the other thing to keep in mind with him is that his usage is down. His usage is down significantly from from 28% last season to 25% this season. So that probably contributes to it. You know, everyone wants to look at the base stats, but he's, he's scoring less. I mean, he's shooting worse. So there's obviously that part of it, but some of the story is also that his usage is down, which probably contributes to why, or not contributes, but well, no, it does contribute and helps explain uh, why things like rebounding and assists are up, you know? He's available in other ways in other areas and impacting the game in other ways. So that's awesome. Hopefully okay, he continues. Christian what? Wood or Pascal Siakam going forward? Christian Wood. Yeah, Chris, Christian Wood, I mean, gives you 22 and 10. Honestly, his, his numbers are skewed because he had to leave a couple games with injuries. But he, and he still gives you 22 and 10 and a block or two on really good percentages, um, shooting significantly better from deep than, than Pascal. Um, and he's just taller. He can play that big. He's, he's like the unicorn man, having like a big, a big that can stretch like that, and that finishes, finishes at the rim and protects the rim the way that Christian Wood does is so rare. Um, so see Wood all day. Stonks. So this leads me to my second pick for rising stock, which has to be the Utah Jazz. Um, the Utah Jazz, I think, have won 19 of their last 20. They are on okay. fire. Smoke okay. it. Smoking hot, it just they feel like a tidal wave. Like if your team is playing the Jazz, you're gonna lose. You know, you uh, pizza before you French fry, you're gonna have a bad time. You know, so uh, if uh, the Jazz come in town, it's it's a guaranteed L, man. Even against the Sixers last night, it looked like the Sixers jumped out to a big lead and and had the juice until they didn't. You know, so I don't know. You know, we talked before the season with um, Coach Thorpe about how continuity and chemistry and culture and all that kind of stuff could really play a factor in this weird COVID season, you know, teams that can get by with less practice teams that don't need game situations to acclimate themselves to one another would have an, 
an advantage, you know, and the Jazz are the epitome of that. This squad has been together for a long time. Bogdanovich joined them last season, but, you know, he's a quintessential Utah Jazz player, so he fits right in seamlessly. They get Derek Favors back. They get a better version of Mike Conley rejuvenated, and all of a sudden, they're freaking good. Donovan Mitchell takes another step, uh, sorry, another step, especially after the bubble. And I mean, this is what you get, you know, people always, I tweeted this in the early in the season. One of NBA Twitter's annual traditions is forgetting how good the Utah Jazz perform in the regular season. They freaking win in the regular season. You know, they, they finish top five most of the time. And if they don't, they're probably the sixth seed that you really don't want to face in the first round. You know, that's the Jazz. So what, what do you think? Man, if the Jazz were the Jazz, I mean, they'd be like 20 and 10, 20 and 12. This is not the Jazz. This is a team that's, um, yeah, you said it, have been playing together, but they've figured it out and everybody's peaking. You know, they're peaking at the right time. Like Rudy Gobert hasn't really taken a step back. Other people have just gotten involved. They got deeper. Mike Connolly is getting back to his peak form after looking diminished last year. And then you got Jordan Clarkson going for a 40-piece last night in 30 minutes, uh, which nobody's done since Sleepy Floyd in 1991. Shout out Sleepy. Shout out to the, was he with the Rockets when he did it? He had to be. Probably. Sounds about right. But Ben Simmons, your guy can go for a career high and doesn't even touch these guys right now. Like anybody can go off against these guys and you're still not touching them. I keep trying to talk myself into these seven, eight point spreads against the jazz. And yet, it's so stupid. I just, I, I, I've learned to back off finally, but it took me a minute. Um, man, it, it's fun to watch. I hope and pray it carries to the playoffs because Utah deserves this, a team this good, a true contender. But I don't know. The teams that have been this good, the Milwaukee Bucks, um, the Miami Heat even, um, Atlanta Hawks, they run into somebody too good and i don't think the jazz are on that level like the clippers and the lakers yet i just don't um so even if they lose in the second round it's not going to be a bad season i just want them to be competitive you know i just want them to be able to take the six seven games um and not falter like they do against the rockets year in and year out but no this team is is really really good i i love it they're they play together as one unit, and they are rolling. I mean, do you think they can get to a conference final? Do you think they have any chance against a Laker Clipper team? I think they could definitely get to a conference final. Would I pick them to do it? Probably not yet. Definitely not yet, and probably ultimately not. Um, but they can. You know, the, the difference with the Bucks is that their fatal flaw is that their best player goes, you know, can't be used late in game situations because he can't shoot. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. On the other hand, the best scorer for the Jazz, a little different situation. I think they're also very well coached, not that Budenholzer and the Bucks aren't, um, but just having been a fan of a team that like had to go against the Utah Jazz twice in the last few years in the playoffs, you really see like how tough they are and how much they grind out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and last season they were missing Bogdanovich, by the way, but now they, they've kind of <clears throat> filled They've either filled holes that were previously there or they've gotten better in places where they needed improvement. Shooting, they've gotten a lot better. I mean, Clarkson off the bench, spark plug, Bogdanovich knocked down. They still got Ingles, obviously. Donovan Mitchell can still shoot. Like they, they didn't have all of these pieces at the same time in the past. 
Now they got Conley. If he's healthy and playmaking the way that he's been doing, you know, previously they would trot out Rubio in the playoffs, for example. Um, so they've just gotten better across the board. And no disrespect to Rubio, but you know, Mike Conley's a better player when he's in, when he's at his peak. So a lot of yeah. disrespect for Ricky Rubio. He's <laughs> dog so, shit this year. Worst year of his career. Stock so. way down. Let's just let's just uh, wrap up on this jazz because I was all about the jazz too here. I mean, they're smoking hot. They've won more games in 20 games than 27 teams have won for the entire season, which is roughly 27 to 30 games. Wow. Think about that for a minute. That's 19 and one in their last 20 games. Uh, the thing that drives me nuts about this team is there's so many differentiating opinions on who is their best player, their leader, their most valuable. To me, it's Donovan Mitchell's their best player, more valuable. You might be able to make a case for Rudy Gobert, but there's all these advanced stats that get people to believe in Mike Conley. What do, what do you say to all of that? Because I'm all about Donovan Mitchell being number one on this by, team. Like, by the way, it was Sleepy, Sleepy Floyd was with the Rockets when he did that. Um, a few years back when, four, <clears throat> when the Hawks won 60 games and they had four guys make the All-Star game, who was it? It was Horford, Corver, Teague. Jeff Teague. Who else? Millsap. Paul Millsap. Thank you. Okay. So the reason I ask is because the Jazz kind of have that same feel, like you just mentioned, right? A lot of people don't really know who. They don't agree on who their best player is. And usually that does not bode well in the playoffs because the NBA playoffs is ultimately an environment where top tier talent rises above and makes things happen, you know, to ultimately win games. Now, despite the Jazz having that, I still think Donovan Mitchell, I agree with you, it's Donovan Mitchell because he's he's got it like that. He can go get you buckets in the playoffs, you know? Now, whether the bubble was an isolated incident, we'll see, but Donovan Mitchell can still score. Um, not top tier elite, but he's capable of doing it at a pretty freaking high level. So we'll see. Um, I think Bogdanovich is going to be ice cold for them down the stretch as well. Ice cold, like blo- like cold blooded, not ice cold from the field. <laughs> cold blooded, um, ice water in his veins type thing. But but I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I would say Donovan Mitchell, um, because at the end of the day, the Jazz can't be the Jazz without this the steady horse of production that you get out of Donovan Mitchell. And the fact that he, the playoff run he had last year, I mean, that should say it all. Yeah. Like I know that's last year versus this year and things can change on when players are that close, but the dude averaged like 35 for an entire series. Yeah. It's about about max potential, right? Like in the, in the playoffs, you want to see like, all right, who's got the highest ceiling? Because those those guys that are able to reliably hit that ceiling are gonna you're gonna win the series, you know. That's why you want star talent, um, because you don't want to over rely on guys that probably can't achieve what you want them to. And Donovan Mitchell, his ceiling is high, man. When he's doing it at the at, at a high level, he's a lot to deal with, you know. So and, and like you said, we've seen him do it. So so this is interesting right here. The Jazz um, on the simple rating system, and shout out Andrew Bailey on this one. Um, accounts for point differential and strength of schedule teams that this jazz team are competing with in regards to this 9.92 simple rating system are the 71 bucks, the 96 bulls, the 2017 warriors, the 2016 spurs and the 2015 warriors and another bulls team. It, It says something when you're being in conversations, I don't care what the metric is, but if you're able to accumulate and 
calculate something that puts you in that conversation. It's pretty dope, huh? Yeah, unquestionably. I mean, we're talking about the greatest teams of all time. Now, are the Utah Jazz going to be one of those teams? We'll see. Uh, there's still a lot of basketball left to be played. But when you win, when you go 19 and one out of like what, 37 games or something? Yeah. What's there? Something like that? Not even? 37 no, 19 games? and one in the last 20. Well, 19 and one in the last 20, but I'm saying how many have they played on, on the season? Oh, they're 20 and five overall. 25 25. Games. Oh, shit. Okay. So 25 games. Yeah. 37 would be the, the whole first half of the season. My bad. So 19 and one over a 25 game span. I mean, they're going to have, they're going to be on track and on a trajectory with the greatest of all time, I would imagine. For sure. Um, will they do it? We'll see. But they're playing good basketball, man. Like I said, they feel like an avalanche. They feel like a tidal wave. Like playing them is not fun. Um, Stonks. Do you have a number three or do you want me to go ahead and list off? Can I list off my number three? Because I'm excited about this one. Yeah, go for it. Stonks. Um, okay. Third and final selection for me for Rising Stock. Stonks. The New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are in, they've won three in a row. They are number six in the playoffs at 14 and 15. And specifically, Julius Randle over the last nine games, dude, over the season, the guy's balling out. Last nine games, 25 points, 11 boards, um, 49% from three on six attempts per game, 49% overall from the field. This dude's been balling. I mean, he's been balling all season. It's really awesome to see. I never quite understood why Julius Randle was viewed as like this empty stat. I mean, I know he, wow, he's shooting 41% on the season, by the way, from three. I know he's viewed largely as like an empty stats guy, but I feel like he can have tremendous impact and value. And I don't want to make too much out of the Knicks, but hey, they're 14 and 15. They're sixth in the East. If the playoffs started today, they'd be playing the Nets for the New York crown. So what are you thinking about the Knicks? Three in a row. So the last person that put up a 2010 and five on 40% three point percentage is Larry Bird. Only guy ever to do what Julius Randle is doing right now. Um, wow. And those are good attempts that he's putting up. Like the dude's stroking it and he's dynamic. I've always believed in Julius Randle. People made fun of me for my belief in him, thought him and Anthony Davis were going to be great. He was a big reason why I like the Lakers young core. I'm, in on the Knicks being good all the way through the season, this good. Um, don't think they're going to get much better unless RJ really jumps out or Mitch comes back and levels up or something. Or Obi. I just don't see Obi really doing much this year either. But uh, I, I see this team hovering around this mark and um, getting into at least the, the play-in games. It's going to be interesting if Julius Randle makes the all-star game. I have him in right now. He deserves to be in. He's a monster. I, I love it. Stunks. Any closing thoughts on the Knicks or No nah, man, it's just fun. It's just fun to see the Knicks contend, not contend for, you know, anything serious, but uh it's it's nice to th- to see the Knicks not be the stink of the league, you know? Um I'm not a Knicks fan, but I think basketball right. I think the the NBA is just fun when the Knicks are good, you know? It's just fun. It's be- um, it's for sure. It's better when the New York's better because there's a lot of hope that they can always get anybody and everybody random players. And um, there's way more people talking about the Knicks. And when those, when there's more people that are excited about the game, it just trickles down and gets everybody excited. Last stat I want to throw out at you. How many minutes do you think John Wall, Victor Oladipo and Christian would have played together? I think they've only played three games together. So my guess would be, Three total games is 48 plus 48. What's that? 96 plus 48. 
144, yep. if, if my math's wrong on that, maybe. Let's just say 144 minutes total. Um, I'm going to guess 51. Well done, man. It's 53. And they're pl- a plus freaking 20 in those minutes. Wow. Yeah. Plus 20. Those plus three 20, guys. Plus 20 overall or plus 20 net rating? Plus 20 net rating in those minutes. Wow. Well, I guess that's what. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, no, it's 100 processions, but. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, no. That, that, and that's part of the reason that, you know, luck has a lot to do with it, man. Like the Rockets had a plan. Um, and some people are judging their plan by how it's gone, but like, who could, who could predict that Christian Wood would be out, Oladipo would be out while, you know, all at the same time and, you know, then COVID. And so, yeah, I mean, if they were healthy and playing, I think the Rockets would be a lot better, but the reality is that they're not healthy and they're not playing. And unfortunately the timing makes it such that with Oladipo specifically, you got to make a decision, you know? Um, and that decision that you got to make in terms of throwing him big money for multiple years could be a really impactful one on the future of the franchise. I know that they're trying, there's rumors that they're still active in trade talks with him and he's been underwhelming offensively. Honestly. Um, I didn't realize watching him game in and game out. I didn't realize how loose his handle was when he drives, he's got a pretty good handle, but he gets the ball poked out a lot. Sometimes he loses it. Like as he's gathering to finish, just kind of lazy with the rock. Sometimes it feels like, and um, he, he takes a while to feel out his shot. There are times where he's just perfectly in rhythm and it looks great. But in, in a Houston jersey, they, those have been few and far between. So good player. I like him. Don't know if I throw him max money. I mean, I wouldn't throw him max money unless there was like a team option on the second year or something. Yep. But, um, but yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on all of that uh, with Oladipo. I just, I'm a little higher on him yet. It's going to be interesting to see what plays out there. I really hope... Christian Wood comes back sooner than later so we can see those three together a little more uh, because Victor Oladipo is on the block, it sounds like. Not sure he's sold on um, staying for the long run. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I would say, I would say I'm not sure that the Rockets are sold that he's going to be there for the long run. Come on. That was Stock Exchange with Noble and Roosh. This episode and podcast is brought to you by Ball is Life. Stay tuned for an interview with Houston Rocket, Mason Jones. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today we have a Houston Rocket in the building. That is my team. If you listen to this podcast, you know it. Mason Jones, how you doing? How you living today, man? I'm doing good. Nice to meet you. I'm glad to be here. I'm um, just, you know, blessed to live another day. Blessed to see another day. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, man. yeah, man. Um, so life in the NBA, man, I kind of want to dive right into it. Um, just so you know, man, Rockets fans really enjoy watching you play. Uh, I love watching you play. Your shot has been on fire. Uh, first things first, we just got to get to it. Um, you've been hitting anything you throw up. So what, what has your quick immersion into the NBA experience been like? How's the learning curve? Like, you know, how are things going for you in terms of coming into the league as a rookie, trying to prove yourself? Um, you know, it's really going good right now. You know, having a vet like John Wall teaching me every day and really just learning me, teaching me like the little things to see in the game. You know, right now, some games I play, some games I don't. So I'm just continuing to learn every day and having John Wall be there every day 
and just continue to learn from him. You know, it's really helped me build every day. And every time I get my opportunity in the game, I'm able to take advantage of him just, just because I'm learning from a vet like John and other vets on the team like EG and, you know, just continuing to want to learn every day. You know, it's helping me build faster and letting me continue to grow faster than what people thought. So John Wall is the main vet taking you under his wings right now. Is that what it's what it sounds like to me? I mean, what what is that relationship like? Um, and what was the first thing he said to you when he got to the Houston? And uh, what what do you learn from? Let's get a little more specific um, here. Um, you know, it's good. Like you know, my life with and with the Houston Rockets and having a vet like John, you know, it's really put me above. Like I said, but also he didn't, you know, off the court all the little things, you know, just continue to learn, watch film, you know, just continue to have a life off the court. You know, he didn't help me with that. He didn't also help me, like, with the speed of the game, but also with the life, you know, like, now life just comes fast. You go on the road, you got to travel, you got to take his bags, you got to be able to be ready for the game. So, you know, just learning from John, you know, just continue to sit down, be able to watch film, be able to call him, be able to, if I need anything, just be able to count him you know, isn't really just took me under his wing. So I'm really grateful for that, but also just be able to really just continue to learn, knowing that he didn't be in the league for 11, 12 years and knowing that he'd have been an all-star and knowing that that's where I want to get eventually. I know he know where, how to get there. I know that the work that I see that he put in. So, you know, be able to just continue to learn from him, continue to just grow and be able to call him and just ask questions. You know, that's just the biggest thing. That's amazing, man. I mean, I'm sure that's, the dream for any rookie to have a guy of John Wall's stature be able to um, be able to call on him anytime and sit down and watch film with him and pick his brain. I'm sure that's just been a blessing. So, what has been the toughest adjustment for you um, since getting to Houston? You think? Um, probably just probably getting uh, getting used to not knowing if you're going to play or not. You know, just knowing that um, you don't know if coach is going to put you in a game or not that game. You don't know. When you're gonna get beat, when your opportunity's gonna get called again, or when your numbers gonna get called, so you just gotta stay, get ready. You gotta continue to wake up every day and want to get better. You gotta continue to want to take it day by day, and that's just my memo: day by day grind. Just knowing that at any moment, coach can call on my number, and I have to be ready to perform. So you know, just still, just still learning how to take that, knowing that I might have a DMP, knowing I might be able to help the team that game, but knowing that. That probably wasn't my game that coach wanted me to play. So just be able to grasp and be able to uh, continue to learn from that and just know that your time's coming. All right, May. So you were talking about having the mentorship of John Wall and Eric Gordon. Um, Eric Gordon's been in Houston for a long time. John Wall has been a bona fide player in this league for a very long time. What has that done for you and how helpful has that been? Uh, it's, you know, it's done a lot for me, actually. You know, just having that, having making that switch from uh, shooting guard to PG in the league, you know, just having John Wall, probably one of the best point guards in the last couple of years, knowing that he haven't played, but the years that he has played, he has been one of the top-tier point guards in the league. You know, just having him as my vet, he didn't taught me so much. You know, it made my transition to the point guard more smoother than I thought was going to be, having his help and being able to really rely on him, be able to call him be able to call and be able to watch film is really just, you know, probably took me some more faster steps in the league than I thought I was going to be. So just having him and then just going to EG where some of his style kind of relates to me where how we, we move with our speed of pace, you know, people don't really speed us up and we have a certain type of pace that we like to be at where 
people don't really know what we're going to do at the time. Either we're going to go to the bats and get a foul, or we're going to shoot the three. So having having EG uh, to be able to learn from that, you know, it really didn't taught me things that, you know, I wouldn't – I capably haven't been able to show in the game right now, but be able to just continue to work on it over practice, be able to continue to work on it day by day. And, you know, when that time comes again, be able to uh, blueprint it. That makes sense. You're, you're, you, you and Eric are both like strong, big guards, and y'all kind of shift in ways. Sometimes you seal players off with your body too. I was going to ask you, man, when I watch you, I see a guy that is transitioning to point guard. And I feel like when I watch you, I can see when you want to shoot and you're trying to tell yourself not to shoot. Is that the case? Are there times where you're, you just yeah. want to step back and pull it, but you're trying to be conscious of running the offense? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, just knowing that I'm a rook and knowing that my job right now is to be a PG. So sometimes where, like in college, I take shots where, like, I know I can make it, knowing I still can make it, and I just be a comfortable shot. But now knowing that I'm a rook, knowing that I have to get the team involved, knowing that some sets I have to get the ball to a certain person, and I might have a shot that I might like, but knowing that, no, that's not the shot that coach wants. And, you know, just right now, I just want to continue just to learn and continue to build my role up where, I can continue to get, I can build myself into that shot where I can really show, okay, the full Oshawa, but now it's just a day by day grind. So coming in, what has coach like kind of explained to you his expectations for you and how has he kind of just wanted you to play and go about your game? Um, Or is he just out there telling you just play free right now and just kind of get some reps in or is it more of a structure? Uh, right now, Coach Alex is basically just telling me to take it day by day. You know, continue just to learn, continue just to grasp the game, and continue just to see what you see. You know, just continue to take it day by day and continue to get better. You know, my name, my number might get called one day, or it might not get called a game. So it's just continue to take it day by day, continue to take it game by game, but continue to get better, continue to work hard, continue to do the things that you're doing. There's a reason why I didn't go down to the G League. So you know, it's just. You know, we like they like something they see. So, you know, I just want to continue to get better, knowing that some games I might not play, some games I might play. I might play a lot. I, mean, I might not. I might play two, three minutes. But, you know, just be able to take advantage of all the minutes and continue to learn and continue to watch film. You know, just continue to do little things. And when my number do get called for bigger minutes, I'm able to continue to run and continue to show why I'm, I'm capable of playing in big minutes. Yeah, I, um, I'm waiting for them to convert the two the two way personally i'm not sure what the hold up is we'll see um have they is your role defined because i'm still a lot of the fans complain like yo man play mason jones play mason jones and there's a lot of times where shooting is needed and like i said earlier you've been on fire um and watching you shoot is a lot of fun um and so i'm wondering has your role been defined um or is it fluid and is that kind of the the understanding right now uh, to be honest, I don't really think um, my role has been defined. You know, I think it's really just fluid and just the way that um, I'm taking it step by step. You know, I'm an undrafted rookie. Everybody thought I was going to be going straight to the G League. And, you know, they blessed me with the opportunity to start one game against uh, against the Spurs. And I was able to really take advantage of the opportunity. And, you know, oh, just yeah. sit, and just seeing the opportunity and knowing that what I was capable of, you know, it really, it really get hard sometimes knowing that, the situation is fluid, knowing that I want to play and knowing that I know I can help the team win, but knowing that my day is going to come, my day is going to come again, but it's just a day by day process. And, you know, right now it's just, you know, wake up and work hard, you know, don't be a pro, uh, know that your goal is not built in a day, you know, it takes day by day. 
Hell yeah, man. So believe me or not, I mean, I had you in the first round. I got the receipts to prove it. I really do. Uh, But part of that is because you're coming from my guy, Eric Musselman's system. And I love Jane College. I mean, Eric's been on the show a couple of times. Love Eric. Minnesota roots and all. What was that draft process like? I know it's super unconventional. I know you probably thought you were a first-round talent in your mind. I mean, you got as high as confidence as anybody, any rookie I've heard, and I love that about you. Uh, but what was it like going through that draft process, and what was it like going undrafted when I know you expected yourself to be a lot higher than you did? Um, you know, it really, you know, it really just brought me back to reality. You know, it really just, you know, showed me that my journey is not, hasn't always been easy. You know. Just, you know, late back, back start playing basketball late again, having to go league year prep, having to go to junior college and having to being blessed to go to Arkansas, you know, it just showed that the journey wasn't easy. Knowing that uh, I was player of the year at SEC, knowing that I really thought, you know, I was first round talent. But you see that, you know, that wasn't a plan that God had for me. So I was able to go and so I went undrafted. And, you know, just knowing in my mind, I knew I wanted to go to the Rockets because I just knew that the play style and the environment was perfect for me. And, you know, it's just, I feel like, you know, God was, that was, that was where God was pointing me to. And when I got here, I just wanted to show, I wanted to work hard. I wanted to show why I thought I was first, uh, one of the best players in SEC, uh, one of the best players in the draft. And, you know, just when I got here, first day, I just started, I put my foot down and started running. And every day I just got better and better or to the point I was able to prepare myself for that start. And not be scared, not be have the jitters, and just know that it's basketball. And knowing that, you know, every day, you know, I'm I'm going against the best players. I'm seeing the best players in the locker room getting better every day, be able to ask questions. So, you know, I just want to continue to learn and continue to, you know, grasp and just, you know, just be better every day. So to the uh to the extent of your college career, man, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. I think you hit a game winner against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that moment? Uh, and can you talk about, you know, did that have any kind of impact on your confidence moving forward in your career? Oh yeah. That, that game, that, that game winner you was crazy. You know, that game winner was crazy. You know, just, you know, just seeing it's just, I still have flashbacks of it. You know, just knowing that it was a year ago, knowing that it really jump started my career. That's how people really started to figure out who Mason Jones was. And from there, my confidence went crazy. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, I hit a game, went on the road. First-year coach, he had a lot of confidence in me. And I knew having an NBA coach, my role only started to get bigger and bigger or to the point where I was able to deliver. You know, I was able to treat myself like a pro. I was able to really just watch film and because I was getting double-teamed in college. So I knew I needed to learn. I, needed, I knew I needed to treat myself like a pro earlier. And having Coach Muss. It was, it was lovely. I mean, just hitting that game winner just skyrocketed my confidence. And uh, that whole year was, it was crazy. Crazy. That's awesome, man. Is that the, really the only game winner you've ever hit in your career? High school, did you hit no. no, no, no. I had, I had, actually, I had three game winners last year. You got bangers <laughs> after bangers? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Big time players make big time plays. You know, that's, I like, I like making big shots, you know. Yes, I I like them type of moments. Hey, speaking of big time players, um, you tweeted they all, something. They all feel the same to you. Sounds like that one gave you a little more confidence. Yeah, facts. 
Yo, I was going to say, you tweeted something. Um, I think it was right after James Harden got traded. Uh, you said, thanks for helping me every day. You said, thanks for helping me every day, gang. I'm going to make sure I keep the promise we made. Be great, my guy. All God, James Harden. What was that promise? Uh, it, was a, it was a good promise. We're we going to speak on it a couple years from now. Okay. It's, it's, is that what? Is that the start of the takeover? No, was he was he telling uh, you, yo, I'm about to go, so the torch is yours. Take it, young man. Rumble. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> me, me and James Harden, we good people. You know, we always train together. And, you know, we I really learned a lot from him. We just we talked a lot. And we still talk right now. We always watch film. You know, just him being in Brooklyn, me being in Houston, you know, that, that relationship has really got tightened. And, you know, we just, you know, we just, he like a big brother. You know, I just want to continue to learn and continue just to grasp. But, yeah, we got a good – that secret is, you know, it's down the road. A lot of people will will, will understand. That okay. secret will come out to okay. fruition. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. So, teaser, Harden finished business. So, once uh, Mason shows out here and takes over Houston, Harden wins his title in Brooklyn, his ass will be back in Houston. They'll be, they'll be grinding it out. <laughs> Hey man, I, I like, I like what I see from this team man. I, and I think you fit very well within the scheme of the team. The, I mean, the shooting, the ball handling, the team has needed a backup, like legit ball handler. I mean, y'all got a lot of combo guards that can score and shoot and drive playing the one. Um, so it's been nice to see you, to see you out there, man. And I'm glad, I'm really glad that you're getting a chance early. Cause a lot of times guys don't get that chance early. Was that, has that thought crossed your mind at all? Oh, yeah, facts, you know, and, you know, it's really, as you see, I was just looking at the G League bubble today, and I seen a lot of first rounders, a lot of people that was picked before me in the G League, you know, it really just, you know, it, it hits me when they know that, okay, well, it is a blessing to be on the, the actual roster, it is a blessing to be able to travel with the team, actually get in the game sometimes, actually, you know, just take advantage of the opportunity of being there, you know, being able to grasp that moment, you know, it, it really shocks me, it always hits me. And sometimes, you know, it kind of, you know, it kind of really just it shakes with me because, you know, I really want to play. And, you know, just being that competitor inside of me and knowing what I can bring to the team, it kind of, you know, it kind of really, it really messes with me sometimes. But, you know, that's just the learning. That's just the learning growth from a, from a rookie, you know, coming from college, playing so many minutes, and then you go into the NBA, you, you're not the man no more and you know just being me being able to be mature enough to be able to see that and be able to grow fast enough I didn't build a lot of you know trust in the locker room a lot of trust in from the coaches where they can trust on me to be able to be mature and be able to you know play my minutes if coach give me five minutes I'm able to take advantage of it if coach give me 20 25 I'm able to you know produce and you know just being able to be able to see that and be able to mature and be able to know not to get mad, but just continue to learn and continue to grow in that moment. You know, that, that's what coaches want to see as a group. That's what they want to see as a development. Absolutely. Uh, so we fielded a lot of uh, fan questions, a lot of Houston Rocket fans questions as well. Um, so we got like three or four of them, but FC and Sensi and then Nima, that's their, these guys' names, um, they're wondering what are the strongest part of your game in your mind and then what do you need to improve on the most? Uh, my strongest game probably is, you know, I'm a shot. I'm a shot maker. You know, I can make shots in all various ways. You know, I love making tough shots. And, you know, I can really score at all three levels. 
And, you know, I, I love one thing I just love doing is, you know, getting people involved and be able to assist. I know I can score really well, but I know right now I want to be able to assist. And probably weakness is probably just, you know, coming to be a defender. You know, that's that's probably the most the mostly thing I'm working on right now, knowing that I want to be a two-way defender, knowing, like, you know, just want to mow my game like Cole, like, with, like, the players like Devin Book, play good at offense, good at defense, you know, just be able to really just, you know, put my sh- my body at a tip-top shape where I can do both ways. Yeah, I would say um, I've noticed you, once you get to the second level, once you break the defense down and get into the teeth of the defense to the second level, you got a nice little no-look that you dump off. I've seen that. Um, so the passing that you're talking about is, is, you know, from a fan perspective, like we can see it. Um, and I was going to say, man, you get separation a lot at like the elbow around the mid, but you look hesitant to pull it. Am I wrong? Uh, just, Have you, you know, been focusing on threes? To be honest, the first couple of games, you know, I showed the mid range and, you know, it was, it was automatic, but it was, you know, it, was yeah. Of, yeah. it was one of the, uh, it's one of the things where, you know, sometimes where it's like, it just depends on the game, you know, when I take it like the next game after the Spurs, the Bulls took the mid range away where I was able to get high from the three. And then from there, I was just able to continue to know where my shots was coming from the three. And sometimes I really just wanted to make the game easier, knowing that I'm a real, knowing that sometimes I can't really just break a defender down because the offense is not about me. You know, it has to go to the, it has to go to the vets. So I just want to make the game simple and I want to make sure I reward the vets for their assist to passing me. So, you know, I just want to always make the, make the jumper and, you know, me having a good three ball and knowing I really can really shoot. You know, that's one of the biggest things I work on every day. I want to be one of the best shooters like Steph Curry, like Steph Curry, like Stephon, just, you know, like Devin Booker, Bradley Bill, just wanted just them consistent shooters where they're making tough shots. It don't matter what the range is. They're making it. You mentioned Devin Booker a couple times now. Um, do you have players that you look up to a little bit? And there are there players you see yourself in? Are those guys you just mentioned a little bit? Um, to be honest, if if I had to say who I think I model my game as after, like, in the league, like, who I look at, it's probably C.J. McCollum, Bradley Bill. That makes sense. Because they're just so, they're just so smooth, you know, they, their pace of, their pace of, their pace of game, no, you can't speed it up. And if you can see when I played in the Spurs where I was able to get minutes and be able to really produce, you could tell that, like, the shots, you could just tell they was fluid. You could tell that it was shots you work on 24-7. It's, it's shots that, you know, you can get there often. And, you know, I just like to watch CJ McCullough because as you watch him, every shot he shoots, he thinks he's going to make it. You know, it's his separation. I mean, people, he, people always say he's not the fastest. You don't have to be the fastest to get separation in the league. It's about IQ. It's about angles. And that's what I play off on. I play off angles. Uh, if I know I can be the person to the angle faster than the other person, I know – counter one, counter two, counter three. And me being a rook and me already having that down, I, I'm able to really grasp and be able to, re, you know, be able to be mature, mature than a rookie. And, you know, that's just having, like I say, having John Wall to go back to, having EG, having rookie cousins, having the Rockets coaching staff, you know, just being able to learn every day. No uh CJ McCollum, I mean, if there's anything I'd use to describe his game, um, would be those two, I mean, mainly angles, like nobody knows angles like that guy, but also shiftiness. I mean, 
very few in the league are as shifty as CJ McCollum, and I can see that in your game as well. Um, and at the more playing time you get coming up here, we'll see that shiftiness come out. Yeah, I can see CJ a lot. I, I like that comparison. I think you're you're nailing it with the angles because that's what it looks like. You know, y'all take advantages of angles, but you can get to your spot no matter what. Um, and just really good body control with the ball. Um, I was going to ask you, man, do you have a preference shooting off the dribble versus catching and shooting? Because from what I've seen in a Rockets uniform, you you're you're lethal off the off the dribble. It looks like you love pulling with the handle, and sometimes when you catch, you look hesitant to shoot it. Am I just seeing things? Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, you know, I'm really starting to really develop into a more catch and shoot. You know, coming into this role, you know, like in college, I was more having the ball in the hands, coming off, going in, and now, to be honest. I think catching shooting got more comfortable like now than it has before. Just knowing that it's just like, look at the stats. I'm money ball from catch and shoot, but I'm money ball from off the dribble. And that's what I wanted to be, you know, me be able to show I can make threes off the dribble, but also be able to let people, other, other people do their thing and be able to just catch and shoot. And, you know, just being able to do that in this, this time of era in the league, you know, it's dangerous because you don't know if they're going to go by them. You don't know if they need the short closeout, long closeout. Knowing if they long closeout, you can go by them into the mid-range or look at the defender, or you can just knock it down if it's too much too much room. And so just, you know, basically knowing that, yep, I like coming off that dribble. Like, you know, just coming off the right hand, coming off the left hand. It's just so smooth. It's just so fluid. You know, I'm just used to it. It's like it's, it's casual every time I do it. Just yeah. in the rhythm. It's just, I, I love it. You know, it's just a shot I work on every day with the coaches and knowing that I want to, you know, consistently just knock it down. Do you watch a lot of basketball regardless of college games even? I mean, are you a basketball junkie or do you just do other stuff in your free time? You think? Uh, to be honest, I really just be chilling. Uh, I just probably be sleeping, reading, or I just be playing video games. Just you know, just relaxing, just getting my mind off basketball, you know, just knowing that it's there, to, it's, it's there from COVID time, from 8 o'clock to – Four o'clock, depending on if you got a game or not. Ten o'clock, depending on if you got to travel, depending on if you got a road trip. So you know, just continue just to you know live life. You know, read books, free your mind, continue to be yourself. You know, just continue to take it day by day. Mason, let me ask you, man. What are you um, reading these days? Uh, yesterday, I read a book about just um, like upping your mind, just upping your your brain, just you know, continue to learn, just to see your habits, you know, just daily daily habits. Are you building the daily habits? Are you treating people how they want to be treated? You know, just things like that. And they also reading the Bible. You know, yesterday I was reading Love about it. Corinthians. Just you know, just day by day things that I want to do, just for like meditation time, just the things I do outside the court. Mason, I want to ask, man, um, before we before we wrap up here and get you on your way, uh, I think you're from DeSoto, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't right. know how much time you spend in Houston. I'm from Houston, obviously, because I'm a Rockets fan. Uh, what do you think of Houston, and what's your favorite food or restaurant that you got in Houston? Like, what's your spot? Uh, Houston, I'll probably say uh, Oso. Oso, what's that? It's a little... Did I say that right? Uso, Uso, Uso Kitchen, Uso Kitchen. Okay. It's, it's a place, Uso sounds it's a place, about right. I don't even know. <laughs> it's a place It's a place downtown. It's okay. a good little spot. It's a good little spot. Okay. It's real, what real kind, good. What kind of food? 
uh, it's a really mixture of everything, pasta, pista, um, chicken fingers, you know, <laughs> whatever you really want. You know, it's, it's lovely. It got some great wine. I think that's really why I like it so much. Not again. Because I like, I like wine. Mean, you know, I'm a big wine fan, so. Red, white? I'm all. All oh, don't matter? Okay. Yeah, I'm my matter. guy. <laughs> I'm with you. So my last question for you, Mason, looking over your social media and your Twitter specifically, and all your tweets are a, a majority of them, you post a little karate robe. I mean, what's, what's the cryptic meaning behind that? Uh, to be honest, you know, that's just, you know, the black belt, you know, that's the highest belt you could possibly be. And, you know, just seeing that, uh, seeing that emoji, that's how I look at God. He's the highest person on earth. He's the highest in the world, you know, and he's, he's the black belt to get there, yes, to see him. So, you know, really feel them, you got to actually be able to, you know, actually chase the one to be like God. So uh, when I say all God, that robe means he's the black belt. And that is really all God. He's the highest all. Very cool. We had somebody ask that. So there's your answer. But look, Mason, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, I love watching you. Hoop. Hope you stay a rocket. Uh, let, you know, everybody in the locker room know that the fans are exciting are, are excited to watch the squad and what is to, to come. Um, and thanks for taking the time and we look forward to your growth as a player in the league. You look, you look awesome as a rookie. So in a couple of years, you know, I think people are going to be talking about Mason Jones. So we'll see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is, that is the goal. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Mason. We really appreciate it, man. Fun conversation. Best of luck going forward here and um, hope those minutes just keep growing for you, man. Cause I think you deserve it. So yes, sir. best of luck, man. We're going to be rude. Thank you so much. Absolutely.